Welcome to Nest Church, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nestchurch.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are loved. I want to share a message today. If you're taking notes, you should write this down. Um, it's, it's titled Childlike Search. Childlike Search. <coughs> Search. I don't know where I'm going to go, or not, I know where I'm going in a sense, but I don't know how far I'm going to get is better yet said. I, I know that this message is going to stretch um, for weeks. Um, I'm not sure if it'll be uh, one week or... If it'll be uh, one, uh, two weeks, three weeks, I don't, I don't know how long it's going to go, but I know there's so much thoughts when it comes to this. So bear with me as I spend time I'm sharing this with you. And I'm not going to hurry. I'm going to take my time. Because if we're on earth and we're still here, there's, there's no reason to hurry his word. Amen? Childlike search. I, w- I want to share that a little bit. And I want to revisit a passage in which we've spoken very deeply on here, whether it's in our... Sunday gathering or whether it's in our more leadership gathering and it's uh, revisiting Psalm 139 it's something in which has it impressed upon my spirit at times before where I've gotten in even deeper uh, in more uh, with some of you uh, and I want to just revisit it because there's some things in it that I want to tie it eventually into Luke 15 and, and going forward maybe in the week or weeks to come and Psalm 139 is a very interesting passage because David is the author of it, King David. And um, it's interesting because, uh, I'm going to repeat some of this probably, but he starts off with, Oh Lord, you have examined my heart. And I shared this a little bit in the 930 huddle. And, and he starts off this passage with this word of examination. There's an examination that is taking place between him and, and, the, and the Father. And, and what's beautiful about this phrase, Oh Lord, you've examined my heart, that word right there, when you, when you look at it, it's, he's calling out to Yahweh. He's calling him in his name, Yahweh, you have examined my heart. And he's telling Yahweh, he's telling, which is the name of God, as we see as God tells Moses, Yahweh. He's telling God, you have examined me. And in this examination, David goes on to share some things that I feel David himself came to realize, things that were brought before him. And what's interesting about this examination, which we're going to talk about soon, it's what it means and what it represents. It's this, it's this, it's almost like a surgeon. When, when, a, when a surgeon gets prepared for surgery and the object is there before him or the person is on the table ready, prepared for surgery, and he puts on his mask, he puts on his gloves, and he does everything. And then he, puts, he brings out the right tools and the specific tools for surgery. And precisely, he begins to cut open and do the work that a surgeon has to do, specifically in the areas in which need surgery. And God is somewhat of a surgeon in our lives where he begins surgery and he begins to cut open and move and work in the areas precisely that, 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 that need work and that need maybe some sort of growth. And, and David has an interesting way of writing. He, he was, he's a very talented and um, gifted writer, if, and you know that about David. So he starts off with, oh, Lord, you have examined my heart. But what's interesting about David, that at the end of this chapter, he doesn't say you have examined my heart. He says, oh, Lord, examine my heart. And you look at that, like, why didn't he say that in the beginning and then in the end say examine it? You've examined it. It makes sense that if I'm writing this letter to the Lord, in a sense, I'm going to start off with, Lord, examine my heart. And then later on, as I close, I'm going to say, you have examined it. But instead, David starts off with, you have examined, and he ends with, now examine it. Again, oh, Lord, examine. And you look at that, and you say, well, what happened to David? I believe that as David is writing this, you start to recognize something that is happening within David. And is this, because you've examined my heart, I've come to what? Know all this of myself and of you. And it's done me more good than it has bad. It's brought more growth and maturity than it has anything else. So at the end of his writing, he says, continue to do it. Don't ever stop searching and examining because he's come to the place of his life 
where he's recognized that the examination of the Lord upon his life is for the good than it is for anything bad. So he says, don't stop doing what you started because though it was painful, though I might not wanted it during the process, I've recognized at the end of this letter, it's made me a better man. Let's get into that a little bit today and next week and so forth. You know, there, there's something that this pandemic um, has shown me and it's, it's this, it's the importance of being what I want to call today childlike. It's the importance of being childlike. Or, or remaining childlike. Uh, something that I could, I could um, admit, it's, it's something in which I haven't always kept or I lose from time to time, and the Lord has to remind me. And it's so amazing, you know, during this time to be constantly with our kids and, um, and just to see them. There's been frustrating times. There's been times where we've pulled hairs, our hairs and their hairs. But you know what I'm talking about. It's just been so interesting because kids, they don't really understand the day that we are in. They recognize there's something off, there's something different, but they don't get the depth of it. They don't understand it. They don't, it doesn't reason fully with them. All they really know is the now. It's the present. It's what's right in front of them. The majority of children, that's how they live. They don't have to worry about the bills. You know, they don't have to worry about bills that need to be paid or they don't need to worry about whether school will, will reopen or will it remain closed. Those are things that the children, I don't know, am I going? Is someone going to take me? Like, they don't know. I'm like, like, they don't understand. My wife carries the masks wherever we go. They don't know whether they have to put it on or take it off. We just tell them, slap it on, take it out, put it on. And like, they, they haven't, it's just whatever we say. So they put it on when they have to, it's just part of life for them now, right? They, they just, they know all the techniques of it already. But they only know what's right there. They don't, they, don't, they, they don't worry of all these things. They don't worry about getting sick or getting others sick. They don't worry of the future of what this will all bring. Worry of the changes uh, that this pandemic or this time that we're in will, will bring forward, uh, will bring forever actually going forward. I mean, they, the, the children do get bored um, and they miss friends and they miss family. They, they miss school. My children are excited to start tomorrow. And... Um, I mean, we're somewhat excited, but no, we're extremely excited, obviously. <laughs> okay. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be up at four in the morning just prepping everything. Why do you have so much energy? They're going to school today. <laughs> I'm packing everything. Okay, you guys know what I'm saying. But they miss school, and, and, and you know, they speak of things that often that you and I, or as parents, we, we take for granted. We don't, we don't really, like, oh, wow, it means a lot to them. You know, the running around and the, the so you know, my, my, I, uh, even I've come to miss my son's soccer, you know. You know, when it was happening, like, oh, there's soccer today, you know, oh, I got to stay there till what time. And, but now I was like, man, I wish there was soccer, you know. The, the normal things that we used to maybe take for granted, whether it's sports, whether it's whatever extracurricular thing. Going to anyone's house at whatever time, having people over our house, um, even eating at restaurants, coming to church, playing with friends here at Nest. All these things, you know, obviously our children miss. So, so don't get me wrong. Um, this season has not just affected adults. It has affected children as well. It's affected our children. But I feel that children are resilient. If they have parents that are stable as possible, right, stable as, as possible as they can be, and, and, and that will love them and guide them through this, they're good. They bounce back well. They're, they're, they're okay because mom and dad are good, and, and, and they're going to be okay. If mom and dad lose it, the children will lose it. And, and what happens is for these children is they need, they need the mom and dad to be as stable as possible. They feed off mom and dad. And if mom and dad are out of whack, you better believe the children are going to be out of whack. So more than ever, we've had to get ourselves, we've lost it and it's been a teachable thing. And, and, and how many children have called out their own parents in the midst of losing it? In my house they have. And how many, you know, but, but we've had to carry all these things and, and, and be as stable as possible and do whatever we can so that our children would be well. We see, we worry as a father, because I, I, I'm speaking in a biblical place, but obviously my wife is an all-star, but as parents, we worry for the things that sh they should not worry about. They, they, we just, we worry for them. And I, know, I, and I know my wife does a great job in that, you know. I have no idea what my kids even need for school tomorrow, but she has it all, man. 
uh, yesterday I was folding the uniforms. I, I, she has the uniforms ready. She bought the lunch boxes. She gets the masks and she gets the, all the, I mean, she's ready. And, and that's what we do as parents. We, we carry the things that weigh too much for them to carry, that they're not even meant to carry in the first place. With, with us, with our family, we've tried our best, and I know many families have. We've tried our best to make it fun for them, to do things with them, to get them out, small vacations, make them feel or make it feel as normal as possible and as fun, right, as we possibly can with the resources that we have. And, and this is the summer that we've probably um, stayed home the most and also gotten out the most in the sense of, like, doing things, little vacations here and there. And, and that's something that we've tried to do just to, let them know, like, we're, we're, we got this. We're going to go through this. But, but if we're honest, we could say this, that, that this has been a, a very heavy time. It's been very tough. It's been very heavy. And many of you are going through it. Many of you are going through so much. You, you he, you're hearing me, and, and you could come to an agreement, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. You, you've come to that place where you've worried, or maybe today you're here, and you're worrying, and, 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 and maybe you feel like you've, you've fallen behind, and you're more anxious than ever. And, and you're at a place where, man, you know deep inside, right? That you know God is real. You know he's in control. You know his purpose will come to pass. You have this, this faith deep within. And that's why all of you are here today. You know that. And, and this is beyond religious duty, you even being here today. More than ever, this is more than religious duty. You're here, man, because you want to be here. You know what I'm saying? And, 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 and here, here we are, but, but you, you come to agree, but, it, but it's been heavier than ever in my life. It's been very heavy these times that we've been living in. I, I love what happened here a few Sundays ago. We were here, and the Holy Spirit filled this place in such a special way a couple Sundays ago. And, and, and a few of you felt... Uh, from the Holy Spirit to form a circle and to pray. And, and some of us, we began to pray and people began to open up and cry out together. And I said, man, that was a special moment. That was a special moment. And, 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 and here we are. But, but it's been rough, even with moments like that. On, on a Sunday together, it's been rough though. It's, it's, it's been tough on us. But, but that's what it was about and that's what it's about, that we need each other. And, and, and we need to, to do these things. Like today is a refreshment. We leave here today when we close up and it's going to be, it's going to be a moment and a time of refreshment for you. You're going to see for the rest of the day and hopefully for the rest of the week going forward. And, and I do pray for people to start coming back, uh, to, to, to come to church. Yes, come, come, but, but be safe when you come, but get here. Get here and remain safe and do it right, but be here. Come, because you need people, and people need you. And these are strange days. But, but God is showing us that, that we are still children in these strange days. We don't fully under, we know the times, but we don't really fully understand the days. We, we see the times and all that, but we don't fully understand these days. We don't have, what I mean by that is, we don't have control in these days. We don't have control in them. And as we've learned, we've learned that at best, all we can do is plan. Remember that? All we could do is plan, and yet he continues to direct our steps. That's what we've learned. That's what we've spoken about, at least here at our nest. But... The Father, if you've come to recognize it in your life, He's doing something. It's what I feel. He's doing something. And, and what He's doing is a part of this is He's driving us. He's pushing us. A word that I'm going to use is He's plowing us. He's doing something in us and it's, he's, he's driving us to childlike. To childlike. I, I want to, I want to, I'm going to say this more than once today. And it's this. The plowing, and I've said this before, maybe a little bit differently, and it's because I want to drive it into you. The plowing is to remove desire in any of us to be in control. This plowing is to remove the desire of us wanting control. And, and that we would be entirely driven by the leading of our Father. The plowing is for the Lord to tell you, let go and let me hold on to you. How many of us live life feeling like we need to hold on to life and we need to hold on to everything? And then the Lord says, let go and let me hold on. For some of you, that's going to bring freedom. That's going to liberate you to hear that. Oh my God, but I've always thought that I need to hold on. No, you need to just let go and that the Father would finally hold on. 
I'll say it again. The plowing is to remove desire in any of us. The desire of any of us to be in control. And that we would be entirely driven by the leading of the Father. Amen? But, but to accept this, this acceptance of what I just said has been so difficult. How many of you is that, that's difficult for you? <laughs> to not have control and give him full control. That is very difficult. And that's where he's leading us. That's what he's doing, childlike. As much as my children think they have control, the reality is under my roof, the only control they have is the control that I allow them to have. But outside of that, they only have the limited control that we give them. We are in control. We control where they sleep. We control what they eat. We control what they wear. Do you guys see what I'm saying? What they just need to be is son and daughter to the parents that are leading them and directing them. I know control is a hard word, but I think you know what I mean by control. I'm talking about leading and directing. But for the Lord, it's a good word, control. Deal with it. It's a good word for him to control you. But we know the controlling of the Father and how he does it. It's not the definition in how we define control. Amen? But we want to be grown, and the truth is we want to handle it. We want things to go back maybe as they were, because if they go back to what the way that they were, those were moments in which we had more control on things in our lives. So we want things to go back, and, and, and we're like children. You're going to hear me keep saying that. We're like children. I, I thought about telling the message, we're like children. What, what have we learned about man? Think about this for a moment. What have we learned about man? What does man really know? Can you answer that? What has, maybe I should ask this question. What has our trust in man truly produced? Think about this stuff for a moment. What is the Lord really doing in us? What is he really doing in the things that we're focusing on? It is the stirring of the Lord in each one of us to remain in childlike. What has, what is that look like? Never losing the awe for the father as a child is to have. Never losing that awe, that reverence, that wonder of, wow, my dad. You know, the, 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 the place where the child says, my father can do these things. My father is strong. And the reality is like, Ugh. God, I wish my child would think like that about me all the time. But that we would never lose that for our father. It's, it's, and, and let's get into Psalm 139 here. It's like David. David getting to the place of his life where he comes before God and he calls him by his name, Yahweh. And he cries out to the Lord. And what I love about David's writing here is this. He comes before the Lord, but I want you to notice how he comes before the Lord. He comes before the Lord not as the warrior he was known to be. I mean, David could have come before the Lord as David. I'm the warrior here on earth. I'm this war. But he doesn't come before the Lord. He doesn't come before the Lord in this position as king that he reverently held. He doesn't come before the Lord like that. He doesn't come before the Lord in power as being the most powerful man on earth. He doesn't come before the Lord with power either. But if you study the writing here in Psalm 139, you'll recognize that when David comes before the Lord, he comes before the Lord, and I want you to see this carefully, he comes before the Lord as a child. He comes before the Lord as a son. And, 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 and I want you to know that as he writes this and he comes before as childlike, as son, I want you to know this, David, he's a grown man. David is a man with many battles under his belt, many wars, many deaths, many trials, many ups, many downs. David is an experienced man for everything that the word experienced means. He's an experienced man. But he comes before the Lord as child. He comes before the Lord as his son. And I thought about that and I said, wow, where life and the experiences of life takes man. Where we come to a place where we recognize us, recognize that it's actually less about us and more about Him. And sometimes we have to go through the experiences of life 
to come to that understanding where John the Baptist says at the end of his life, oh, he's there? He's doing what? Finally, I must decrease so that he may increase. (laughs) That's crazy. He takes us through a process where we can make the declaration, I must decrease so that he may increase. Not just with our words, but with every fabric, with every detail of our lives. That that is the, def- that is the definition of who we are. A decreasing vessel so that he could increase in me. Amen? And David is at this place. And he writes a, uh, I don't know how you want to call this, a conversation or as a confession to his father. He writes these words. Psalm 139. You there? All of you didn't convince me. You there? Mm. Maybe 80% of you are there now. Amen. So good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. So David writes this and he says this in verse 1. Follow with me here. I'm going to read from the New Living here for a moment. He says, Oh Lord, you have examined my heart. Some of yours says search. I don't know what else it says in, in, in another translation to read. New King James says, oh Lord, you have searched. ESV says searched. The New Living says you've examined. All those words are going to mean the same thing. You have searched, you have examined my heart, and you know everything about me. Can I ask you a question? Who knows the most about you? I, oh, that was the good answer, yes. <laughs> on earth, relationship here on earth with a human being, who knows the most about you? Someone pointed at the person next to them. Someone said my mother. Someone said my spouse. Who knows the most? Maybe it's your best friend. Yourself. That's a good answer. Who knows the most about you? And even in yourself, who knows the most about you? Now think about that. They don't know everything about you. You yourself might not even know everything about you. Here's David and he says, you've examined me, O Lord, and you know everything. Everything about me. That's, that's, that's a very deep sentence. You know everything about me. What, what does that phrase mean? When I say to you, Tito, he knows everything about you. What is David confessing there? The mask. I don't know. Can you? The bad and the good? Anyone else? We're just going to have like a class today. Your hidden sin? Your future? That's good. Your future. What hasn't even gotten there yet? Uh, what hasn't arrived yet? Thoughts, intentions, intimacy. You know everything about me. You know what David is saying? It's been fully exposed. It's been ripped open and gutted out, and everything has been shown. Nothing has been hidden. Remember when I asked you, who knows the most about you? Come on, has everything really been exposed? But with the Lord, everything has been exposed when the examination process has occurred. I know that stuff brings some problems to marriages, right? When you start to think about that, you know? You you start looking at each other. But it's the reality. And and the Lord, that gutting, that process, David comes to realize... When no one has ever known, you know. This is, this is deep. I'm wondering this right here. If you've allowed the Lord to examine your heart during this time. The place, and what I'm talking about here and what I mean by this is the place, listen to this, the choosing of these words. The place where he truly takes lordship and examines you. Not just your savior. Your savior is good. Congratulations. You've accepted him as Savior, but have you allowed him to take lordship? Those are two different statements. He's not just your Savior. He's your Lord and Savior. It's the place where he takes lordship in in the examination. He takes you through that process. Have you been there with the Lord? Are you there with the Lord? How many of you are like, I need to surrender that to the Lord? The word examined here in the Hebrew It means to search, like the New King James or the ESV says it. Examine, search. 
Another word that could be used here in the Hebrew is to investigate. The, can you imagine the Lord takes on a whole investigation? He begins to investigate, he, or, or another phrase, he finds out to find out. But my favorite one is this one. It means to penetrate, like a surgeon penetrates the deep areas that need surgery. He penetrates those deep areas in you. How many of you have experienced the penetrating examination of the Lord? How many of you are in the process of the penetrating examination of God? Now you understand why I have to go slow at this and not rush it. The penetrating examination, how has that gone for you? Come on, seriously. How has it gone for you? How is it going? Okay, I'm going to be honest with you. It stinks. But that stink has to come out so that his aroma could go in. It's difficult. But that difficulty has to come out. So that I could fully understand. Guys, listen to this. That difficulty has to come out. You know why? So that I could fully understand what it means to live by what? By my yoke is. And my burden is. I need to go through that. And it's difficult. So that I could fully live and understand that his burden is light and his yoke or his yoke is light and his burden is easy. But I have to go through that process. You have to go through that process. So the Lord begins to penetrate these deep areas within. He begins to search and he brings, he, he brings to light the things that are found. Why does he bring these things to light? So that you could see what's been found and so that you could see him in his goodness. He doesn't bring it out to rub it in your face and say, you smell and it's difficult and this was disgusting because you should feel horrible. No, he brings it out so that you could see I'm good and I love and I'm gracious and I want to grow you and mature you as my son and my daughter. It's not to bring out the worst. When I discipline my child, it is not because I want him to know that I'm powerful. Or I, sometimes, yeah, because I'm not God and I fail. Or I want him to know that I'm powerful. Or I want him to know that I'm in control. And I want him to know that he needs to bow down to everything that I say. No, I want him to know that at the end, you're going to see on a brighter day that the things that I do is because truly, it's I want you to see the goodness of the Father. That's what a father does. That's who the father is. And that's what he's doing here. And that's what David comes. We're only in verse 1. But this is exactly what's happening. The things need to come out. Things that are hidden from you. Things that are hidden from you. I love that he said, oh, yourself. You know yourself the most. Yes, you probably do. But even the things that are hidden from you. Because how many of us know that we've gone through things, even as children, that we've covered up and we're still dealing with the pain of it and we've hidden it from ourselves because we don't want to deal with it and we forget that it's really there. And sometimes a surgeon needs to open up and bring things that happened when you were seven-year-old so that finally you could become the child that God's called you to be. But the surgeon needs to rip it out. Why are you bringing up things when I was 10 years old? Because you'll never really, really show my image on earth until we deal with that. Until you forgive that. Until you heal from that. So the surgeon, the penetrating examination of Yahweh begins to go to work in you. Well, what is he going to use? I don't know. Maybe Corona virus. What is he going to use to do this work in me? I don't know. Maybe frustrating family members. Frustrated family members. Friends. What is he going to use? I don't know. Maybe the television set. The news media. I don't know. I don't know. I can't say what it... I can only tell you what it's, done, what it's doing. I'm, I'm, in that. I'm in this process, okay? I want everyone to know. Where are you? Okay, let's be transparent. I'm in it. Okay, I'm in it. Because I'm in it, I've had so many different thoughts that I've had to be like, what's what and what's true? What's God? What's mine? What's and God's doing? All right. 
Things are hidden from you, and he brings it out. But what's beautiful about things are hidden from you, it's this, ready? But not from him. The searching and, this is so important. Why is there a searching? Because if there's a searching, then guess what comes after the searching? You should write this down, a revealing. After a searching always comes forth a revealing. And the revealing is a very special place to be at. Because why? That's the place where you deal with it. I don't know if you want to use the word confronted, though that brings a negative thing. But that's where you figure out what you're going to do. That's where, here it is, ready, the revealing. You should write this down. That is where he takes you to the place where choices must be made. Where it falls on you to make right choices. Where choices need to be made. When things start to come out, choices need to be made. How many of you is the examiner penetrating and you re- you've recognized that as he's bringing things out, he's actually bringing you to a place where it's time to make choices in your life? <laughs> it's the place where right choices need to be made. And you know what? Part of God being a good father, he gives you the ability to make the choice. He wants to see if you've gone through the process right, if you've grown and will you make the right choice? How many of you are like, I want God to do it for me. And God's like, it's not happening. I do the process. I do the surgery. I do the penetrating examination. I reveal it. But I want you to make the choice. And when you begin to make the right choice, he comes in and he takes you and he says what? My grace is sufficient for you. And his grace leads you while you begin to make the right choice. I'm hoping you're understanding this stuff. I'm hoping you're getting this because I'm, what I really want from this to happen is I want freedom in our lives. I want liberty in our lives. It's the place where a good father, how, how often have you heard me preach here throughout this and I've continued to call God a good father? Have you guys recognized that? Or I hope you catch things that I do. I continue to call him a good father because I don't want you to ever confuse your current circumstances to heaven. Your current, stand, current circumstance to God. Because I want to make sure that we always understand that in regardless of what is happening on earth, he is still a good father. And he's revealing, he's trying to reveal his goodness in you. So I'm constantly telling you, good father, good father, good father. Because maybe you've come to a point in your relationship with father where you're mad at him, where you're upset, where you're bothered with things in life. And you've kind of taken it upon him and you missed it that he still remains a good father. All right. It's a place where a good father will lead his children to. Why will a good father lead his children to this? To do what? To grow us. Everyone say grow us. I know. You might feel like I'm already grown. The 80-year-old in Christ is is still growing. To grow us, to mature us, to transform them, to transform us. Amen? What does David say? Verse 1, ready? Oh, Lord, you've examined my heart. You know everything about me. I hope after everything that I just said, verse 1 means something totally different now to you. You know everything about me because why? Why does the Lord, watch this. You've examined my heart. You know everything about me. Let's flip that. How come the Lord knows everything about him? Because he's examined his heart. He's examined his heart. Verse 2. You know where I sit down and where I stand up. Look what David's come to know. You know where my thoughts even when I'm far. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. I like when he says, you know my thoughts when I'm far away. Because he's basically saying, you know when... You know, when I sit or stand, you're going to see in David's writing that wherever I go, you're there. So why would he say, you know my thoughts even when I'm far away? Because what he's really saying is not not when you're far away, when I'm far away. Do, Do you guys understand David's writing? It's not when God is far away because David is admitting wherever I go, you're there. And you're there and you know my thoughts even when I'm far away. Because David's come through the examination of the Lord. He's come to realize that many moments in his life he's walked away and has been far from the Father. He has separated himself from the Father. And he's come to realize even when I'm far from you, Dad, you still know my thoughts. 
He still knows my thoughts even when I'm far. Why? Because he's, he's never far from us. We are always far from him. There's been moments where I felt that my child has been far from me, though they're still at the age where they're not far from me. But some of you that have children in their teenage years know exactly what I'm talking about. You feel like your children at times have gone far from you, but little do they know you have remained close to them. Why? Because your mom, because your dad, and as much as they want to get far from you, they'll never realize how close you really are. You're praying for them when no one else is praying for them. You're crying for them when no one else is crying for them. You're there to be with them and forgive them when no one else is able to be there and forgive them. That is what a parent does, and that is what a father does. And David says, when I'm far from you, you know my thoughts. I've come through the surgery, through the examination, through this childlike search. I've come to realize all these truths, God. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it. You go before me and you follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Notice everything he said. He's not even done confessing yet. Those are just five verses, four verses. He's going to go on another rant after he says verse, uh, verse 6 and 7. He goes on another rant. He comes to a place. He pauses in his description of what's happening to him, in his examination, in the penetrating examination of God. You with me? You all with me? Through the examination process of God, he pauses, he pauses for a moment, and in his pause he says, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. <laughs> too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. He pauses for a moment, and he says that, and he's going to go on another rant now. But he has to stop and say, too wonderful is your knowledge. Sometimes I tell my son, how much do you love me? Oh, dad, I love you. And to the moon and this and that. He says all these funny things. Or, he, or sometimes he says, dad, I love you more than anything. Or, or I love you the more. I love you the most. And I look at him and I says, impossible. I go, I'll always love you more. No, no, I love you more. I love you the most. I'm like, so sometimes, you know, we'll look at him like, you'll never be able to love me more than I love you. And that is the truth. I don't care what anyone says. You could fight me. You could debate with me. I could care less. Being a parent now, I recognize that a parent will love their children more than their children will ever love their parent. <laughs> Here on earth. Yeah. I said, I doubt it, son. I'm going to always love you more. Just, just deal with it. Just love life with that. You know everything about me. Hallelujah. How many of you are receiving from the Lord today? You know everything about me. Thank you, Lord. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. Well, of course. I actually wrote that down in my notes because I'm weird like that. Well, comma, of course. Dot, 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 because I want to continue with the thought. Well, of course. Because the Father sees all things. Nothing is hidden before his presence. Do you know that that's true? Do you know that the author of Hebrews writes that? Look at, look at this verse, Hebrews 4.13. The B section of this verse says this. They're going to put it up now on the screen. It says, everything is naked. All right, it's Hebrews 4.13. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes. And he is the one whom we are accountable. Everything is exposed. Everything is naked before his eyes. Hallelujah. That is why when they, I'm, man, I always go back to Adam and Eve, forgive me for that. But that is why when Adam comes to him dressed, the Lord has to what? Undress him again. You think you could dress yourself before you, but I'm going to make you naked again. He says, what have you done? 
take off, take off. Where have you even found those clothes? Ask something better for you. And he sacrifices an animal and he gives them the clothing of an animal. He has to get them naked again. Because, Adam, you're going to have to realize that you can never hide in front of me. Hey, children, listen to me, children, because I don't care how old you are. Children, I'm talking to you and I'm talking to myself. Ready? Children, you are naked and you can't hide from the Lord. He's, he's, he wants to expose all things, not for your bad, but for your good, for his good, for his great purposes in your life. Amen? Everything is naked, exposed before his eyes, the one whom we're accountable to. What does David say? I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. Well, of course. The word escape there in the Hebrew is an amazing word. It's a beautiful word. It's a word that we could translate it into this, bolt. I can never bolt or flee, suddenly flee. I can never suddenly flee, run, if you want to use the word run, from your presence. I, could, I, 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 I can't flee suddenly. As much, you should write this down probably, as much as a child tries to run, as much as a trial, child tries to bolt, out of the Father's hands, out of the Father's presence, he will always find himself unsuccessful. How many people during this time have ran from the Father's presence and ran from the Father's hands and they're finding themselves unsuccessful? All you got to do is go deeper into his presence and deeper into those hands. You can't bolt. David ran many times. David fleed suddenly many times. David bolted many times. And because of the examination work of the surgeon, the penetrating examination, he came to a place where he realized, I can't bolt anymore. I can't run anymore. I can't suddenly flee anymore. Why? Because every time your son, Yahweh, your son, father, every time David, your son, has fleed suddenly from you, I've recognized that I've been unsuccessful in those attempts. Childlike search. And it's the same thing we see in Luke chapter 15. You know what? I want the Holy Spirit to do a work here. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. It's the same thing we see in Luke chapter 15. I'm still not done with this message, by the way. I still have verses um, 8 all the way down to go. And I also still have Luke chapter 15 that I want to speak to you about. But I want to pause here for a moment because I don't want to continue with more information where maybe the information and the working that the, the Lord is speaking right now is just enough just to get us th through this right here, right now. But we see this work in David. We see the same work. And I'm going to kind of give you a, a little, um, I don't know, sneak peek preview of what we want to continue to talk about. But in Luke 15, there is a, there's a lost coin. There's, there's a bunch of lost things that Jesus speaks about. And there's one very specific story that he talks about. And it's a father who had two sons. And we've come to translate the Bible and we call one of the sons the what son? The lost son. Or the prodigal son. The prodigal son. What's interesting about that word, whether it's lost or prodigal, when you really come to define it for what it really is, I kind of don't like, listen to this, and, 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 and I want you to be very careful in, in how you judge me on this because I want you to get the point. I kind of don't like that he's called the lost son because I don't really feel the son was ever really lost. I think we did a poor job by calling him the lost son. Because he was never lost. He took his father's inheritance. He ran and did what he did. But in those places, it says that he was out of his mind, is what the Bible says. Actually, in the English translation, it says he was out of his senses. How do I know that? Because it says when he came to his senses, he said, I'm better at my father's house. What do, I, what do I mean? He always knew, even when he came back to his right mind state, shoot, I'm the son of that man. I'm the son of my father. My father is a good father. What am I doing here with pigs? Eating their food. When my father's a good father. So what does he do in Luke 15? 
I'm going to go back to daddy's house. What, what am I trying to say? I don't think he was a lost son. You know how I know he wasn't lost? The father was looking out the window, always what? Waiting for him to come back. He wasn't a lost son. The word to really describe him, and we'll get into this maybe next week. We'll get into some of this. He wasn't just the lost son, the prodigal son. The definition is he was the reckless son. The word that is used there is reckless. You could still be reckless. But don't think that just because you're reckless, you've lost sonship in God. That's freedom right there. How many people listening on the box and right here in person have condemned themselves and have troubled going forward in life because you call yourself a hypocrite? David said what? Oh man, this is good. These are things that God just gives you when you... Like, he says... Even when I'm far away from you, you know my thoughts. What is he really saying? I've never stopped being your son. How many people have taught you maybe? Maybe you've come from an institution that they've always taught you. Because you're reckless, you're automatically going to hell. Now, I'm not saying that to give you a certificate to sin. Because Paul says in Romans 6, Do I continue to sin? So that grace can abound, certainly not. Because that's not the definition of a son. But I don't want you to condemn yourself and call you, I'm just, I, I'm, I live as a hypocrite because look what I continue to do. No, no, no. You might not necessarily be a hypocrite. You might just be a reckless son and you need some maturing to do. You need some growing. When I say son, I'm not leaving the ladies out. I'm talking about sons and daughters. We know that, right? You, you just need some growth. Many people feel like, oh my God, I, I thought I've fallen from grace. How will my son ever really fall from his father's grace? My father's here. Can I really ever fall from your grace? I hope not. As I look at him in the eyes, I hope I can never fall from my father's grace. And I hope that my son can recognize he'll never fall from my grace. How will I ever fall from his grace? I'm a son, a true son, a true son, a true son in his reckless state doesn't remain in his reckless state. A true son comes to his senses and says, I'm going back to dad. A true son turns and goes back to father. And that's the process. Well, why would have the, why did the father let the son go through that anyways? Because the son needed to go through it. It didn't matter necessarily what he was going through. It was about the destination he was going to get to. He was going to go back to the father. What happened? Oh, man. The other son gets upset. I've never left you. And my brother leaves you and you have a party for him. And you welcome him. And here I am. I've been faithful. I've been true. And I've honored you all my life. And yet you honor him. And what does the father tell the other son? Who was what? He had some immaturity too. The father said what to him? That, that, is, that is the spirit of on earth today. The other son had the spirit which is on earth today. Entitlement. Entitlement. Self-entitlement. But look at me. I deserve uh, self-entitlement. And what did the father reveal to him? Everything that's mine is already yours, son. Everything that's mine is already yours. He was gone. He was reckless. But now he's back. He had to go through the process of maturity, of growth. We're going to get deeper into this stuff next week. I want you to close your eyes here for a moment. And I want you to really recognize or come to the place of this phrase that the plowing is to remove any desire in any of us. Of any of us to be in control. And to be entirely driven now by the leading of our Father. I'm getting ahead of myself but when the son comes back in Luke 15 to the father 
he comes to a place where he's, where it's, Father, I place myself under your authority, under your trust, under, under you again, Lord. Under you again, Father. And it was a place where he needed to know he's no longer in control. Where his father was going to lead him and direct him again. I want you to examine where you're at. There's no rush. Come back next Sunday. I'll tell you what. We'll continue to have this awesome conversation on childlike search. But I want to stop here for a moment. And I want to just pause and worship the Lord here for the rest of our time. If you're at home, I, I hope at home you could join in coming before the altar of God and truly surrendering yourself and truly removing all condemnation and recognize that you're not a hypocrite. I'm going to go deeper into what a hypocrite really is because many people that are here, that are watching, that are listening or will listen, will watch, have to come to understand that they're actually not, they might not be hypocrites. And I'm going to define that a little bit better for you. All you needed is some maturity, some growing, and God is taking you through this process. And you need to just accept the penetrating examination of God. And you need to surrender to that in your life. Come on, if that's you, right there where you're at, begin to surrender. This is what I want to do. We have not done this here. I'm going to ask some of you if you feel like standing to stand with me. We want to sing a song over you. I really hope that we could remove ourselves and truly allow the Holy Spirit to have His way here. I want to really just have worship I, I really want to have a moment with god if we want to cry i want you to have the ability to cry but i've always honored where you're at and and i want to make sure you're safe always but but if you feel like you need to come up to this altar today not because there's anything special here there's not an aura here that's going to do anything but if you just want to take a step of faith and and come up to this altar maybe come to your knees and as a sign of that just saying lord here i am at the altar as i come up to this altar it's a sign of surrender and I give myself to you and I open up this altar for you to come up right now and say, I, I want to surrender this to the Lord. I want the plowing. I want the childlike search to continue to take place in my life so that I can be led and directed, loved by the Father so that I could see the goodness of the Father. I, I invite you to come up and, and, I'll, and I'll get around you and I'll pray there for you and with you. And if you're home, come before the altar of God, before the presence of God, and allow Him to do that work in you right now. But, but, but all of us here, as we've heard some of this word, come on, place yourself there before your Lord. Place yourself like David writes, Oh Lord, you've examined me. Or maybe you're at the end, verse 23, Oh Lord, search. Oh Lord, examine my heart. Continue the examination in me. Let that be your prayer right now. Come on, release that. Come on, begin to worship. Begin to release that. Let's sing that again. All I did was pray. Worship. All I did was bow down. Yes. All I did was stay still. Yes. When I thought I lost me, you knew where I left me. You reintroduced me to your heart. You picked up all my pieces, put me back together. You are the defender of my
did was praise And all I did was worship raise your hands here with me for a moment just raise your hands with me and Lord here we are with our arms raised with our hearts open Lord Lord we come before your presence Lord and I pray that we would come surrendered surrender Lord that Lord we would allow the surgical hand of God in our lives the, Lord, the, the, the process of life to truly that you bring forth the, the work of the Lord in our lives to, 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 to really reveal and bring forth the fruit, the declaration that our God is a good God. Our Father is a good Father. Lord, I pray that you would grow and mature and teach us, that you would lift us up during such a time. Lord, I pray, Lord God, that you would remove all childish things and that you would replace it with childlike things. That the wonder of a child would be would remain, Lord. That, that the, the faith of a child would remain, Lord. That, that we would be childlike, Lord God, before our Father. That we would be in awe of you for all the days of our lives. Our trust would be in you. Our reverence and the holiness in you, Lord God. Let us mature and grow, Lord. Through the testing, through the process, through the lessons of life, through the surgical hands of the good father, that it would produce the son and daughters that you're calling to, pre to come out and be produced in this world. That many more sons and daughters would come to life. That many more sons and daughters would be produced in this world. And that the remnant, that the sons and daughters of God would shine and rise up during a time where there seems to be darkness, during a time where there seems to be no hope, that sons and daughters and children, childlike faith will rise up like never before. In Jesus' name, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. today's wonderful powerful service father we thank you lord you are holy and you are good and you are righteous father we come before you right now lord and we just ask you god that you may help us to keep this in our hearts and in our minds as we carry this out through this week lord may your word stay close to us father may we bask in it may we marinate in it father and when we speak to others lord may we speak of your goodness may we speak of your freedom may we speak of your promises we thank you for all that you do we bless your holy and mighty name in jesus name we say amen <laughs>